gray sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. You're so right, you can't be wrong. Rocking and rolling all night long. Hello, everybody. My name's Daniel Budnick. You call me Dan. Welcome to Rockin' All Week with You, the Happy Days Podcast. This is our third installment, and we are covering the fifth and sixth episodes of Happy Days from the first season. I don't know if I if I mentioned previously, but the show at this point is on Tuesdays, 8 to 8.30, which pretty much is where it will be for the majority of its time, if not all of its time. I'll have to double-check that. I've never actually checked. I grew up with the show being on Tuesdays, 8 to 8.30. I've never actually checked to see if it moved around. I, that's always where I, I knew it was. I'll get back to you. But we are talking Hardware Jungle, Episode 5, directed by the ever-present Jerry Paris, written by Frank Buxton and Michael Leeson, which aired on February 12, 1974. And we are also talking The Deadly Dares, directed by Herb Wallerstein and written by Steve Zacharias from February 19, 1974. And I would like us to dive right in right now and discuss Hardware Jungle. Here we go. episode according to the back of the uh, DVD Happy Days Disc 1 the complete first season 1974 Hardware Jungle Howard Cunningham Tom Bosley is depending on Richie to watch over the hardware store despite the fact that Richie and Potsy have coveted tickets to a rock and roll show oh no that's kind of what the episode is more or less that that makes it sound like there's going to be a bunch of chicanery and the fact that it's called Hardware Jungle, making you think of Blackboard Jungle, which had come out in 55, I believe, and was, was a hit and uh, was a tense, uh, rather tense uh, number. Uh, I haven't seen Blackboard Jungle in ages, but um, as I was watching Hardware Jungle, I was thinking, why did they call it Hardware Jungle? I don't, I don't fully, um, I don't fully get it, but... It's 50s. I guess it's a 50s reference, you know, and, 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 and Hardware Jungle also implies, like that synopsis does, that most of it is set in the hardware store, and actually it's only about four or five minutes of it is in the hardware store. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, the basic premise of this is, well, it's, it gets complicated here. There's a, there's a rock and roll show coming into town. It's Chuck Berry. It's the Mellow Kings. Uh, the Mellow Kings were one-hit wonder, more or less. They had a hit called Tonight Tonight in the summer of 57, which I guess with my constant trying to figure out the dating for this show, I guess we've suddenly been bumped into the fall of 1957. That, that works for me. And some uh, some folks have just said, hey, you know, Dan, uh, treat this as if it's just a vague 50s kind of time. And I'd like to do that. But I think it's more fun to, to do it like this. And I'm also fairly certain there are moments, I, I, well, in Laverne and Shirley, I'm pretty certain there are moments where they actually say, are very specific about what year they're in. Here, I think we're, we're still early, early, early days, and we're being specifically vague about all of it. It's meant to be, and I, I, I believe I've said this before, but the show at this point isn't meant to be like a series of continuing things. I mean, there will be stuff. I mean, when Lori Beth shows up and and uh, um, uh, Joni and Chachi's romance and things like that that will continue across episodes. But at this point, we're literally just getting snapshots. So I don't even know if Hardware Jungle... Um, takes place after guess who's coming to visit the previous episode for all i know we could be jumping all around that and that's why we're getting all these strange uh, time references as we go but i think it's fun to try to figure out when this is set having said that 
Yeah, there's this rock and roll show. And Potsy is going to be taking Gloria Hofstetter, who is best friends with the gal Arlene, who Richie is going out with. And they're all going to go. Richie doesn't have tickets, but he's able to buy tickets from the Fonz for six bucks. And unfortunately, Mr. C comes down with tonsillitis. He has to go into the hospital on Saturday. Richie is asked to take watch over the hardware store. And so Richie sells the tickets back because he, his dad usually stays like 9 in the evening at the hardware store. But after his, his mom and dad learn that he sold the tickets back, his, his, you know, his mom says, uh, Mrs. C says, oh, that's just your dad. He just stays like that because, you know, that's just him. And Mr. C says, you, you can leave at 5. So Richie goes back and he gets the tickets again and everything's going to be great. And he and Potsy are hanging out at the hardware store at 5 o'clock and they close down and something might go wrong. I, I don't, I I mean, I, I just want to tell you what it is that goes wrong. I feel like if you're listening to this, you probably know that Richie doesn't make it to the show. Potsy does, Gloria does, and Arlene does. Uh, but, yeah, Richie doesn't make it. Um, I guess let's do a, we'll do a spoiler 30 seconds. How about that? We'll do a spoiler 30 seconds starting from now. They accidentally lock themselves in the store because... I guess there isn't a back door. There's only one set of kids. Well, they, they try to call Mr. C, but he's passed out. And what ends up happening is Richie tries to sneak out through the transom above the door and accidentally kicks out the glass. And a glazier isn't available until after the concert. So Richie has to stay there as Potsy and everyone goes out and has fun. I don't know that that's a spoiler per, per se, um, but it does show Richie's a very responsible boy. And we'll talk about that again in a moment. I think the 30-second spoiler is done. Not that you needed it. This is an episode of Happy Days from so, so long, 45 years ago. So, yeah. I really like this episode. I think it's super charming. I think that the title and the synopsis are don't quite match up with what's going on in the episode. The episode is sort of just more about, it's actually kind of more about Mr. C having tonsillitis than it is anything because uh, the, the Richie stuff is just sort of back and forth and I want the tickets, I don't want the tickets, I want the tickets, I don't I have to leave at 9, I have to leave at 5. Oh no, this happened, I can't leave. It's actually more about Mr. C going in as an older man getting his tonsils taken out and Joni saying stuff like, oh yeah, you can, you know, they rip out your throat but then you eat all the ice cream you want but then you throw up and it hurts and, and you know, and uh, Mr. C has a, a next door neighbor in the, in the shared... Uh, uh, room there who is eh, not not terribly helpful but uh, but it's it's funny yeah it is sort of almost more Mr. C and a lot of Fonz in this episode too it's interesting there's a lot of um, we see the Fonz uh, um, in several different places but we see him at work we see him uh, fixing a car, fixing a car for some newlyweds. And he calls, and no longer is he call. well, he probably still will call Richie Cunningham, but in, in this one he calls him Rich. Come on, Rich, I'm kind of in a hurry. Can we do this transaction? And then you see the Fonz in his office. That that's I did quotes there. I know you can't see me, but I did quotes there. You see him in his office, which is like the photo booth, uh, and he's making out with a gal. And there's a lovely moment, too, where he leaves the hardware store after giving Richie and the tickets on the Saturday and you see the Fonz step out of the hardware store onto the street two cute gals walk by and then all of a sudden you see the Fonz pass you know going following the gals just giving a really big goofy like hey thumbs up to um, uh, Richie Potsy which was delightful but you do see a lot more Fonz in this and, and there is something about the the fact that Fonz just keeps getting tickets to the show that sold out he just keeps getting tickets I don't know if people keep selling t same two tickets back to him or what it is but he just keeps getting tickets and it's great to see him in this and he at one point he is writing on the wall I forget what he writes I should have written it down um it's something like oh life is a bowl of pits you know, I think that was pretty hard-hitting bathroom wall stuff for circa 1957. Uh, you know, the Fonz, he... <laughs> we, we got Arnold's, which is under new management. I saw a sign on the wall. And there's a mention of when Richie is trying to find the Fonz, he calls Fat Melba's Burger Town. I don't know what Fat Melba's Burger Town is, but we got to go there. Uh, we got to go there a lot. But yeah, this episode's a charmer, and it's 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 pretty quickly paced, as opposed to the previous episodes. It goes to here, it goes to there, you can do this and do that. I really like it. 
Um, Potsy is, uh, it's, it's, Okay, let's let's talk Ralph Malf real quick, and then we'll just talk what the episode seems from the synopsis and the title, what you think is going to happen. Ralph Ralph hasn't been the jokester that we know. I still got it, the, the jokester that we will know him to be, but this is the episode where that starts happening. The episode begins with him playing a trick on that big kid from the, from the previous episode, the one who dances with the gal, where I postulated that that was probably a dream sequence in his head. That's Moose. And they do that thing where they unscrew like the salt shaker top, and so the salt goes all over the place. And Moose makes some very interesting faces. Um, you know, I'd like to say Moose is a featured extra, so they didn't let him speak. But they probably lo- should have had him say a word rather than kind of doing like guppy movements with his mouth. Uh, but he does get Ralph back a little later on. I'm not sure how he does. Um, exactly, but he does zing Ralph later. And so Ralph uh, does that, and then there's a moment later where we sit in the car, and he's like doing, um, uh, joking around with everyone, and there's this gal there who's as jokey as he is, and it's just like, he's, and at one one point somewhere in there, he says like, at the end, he goes, ha ha ha, I'm funny. You know, so, yeah, Ralph, you're you're funny. So he's trying to prove he's funny. I'm, I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's his dad's change from, you know, the furniture store to uh, being a dentist that did that, I don't know. But regardless, Ralph is Ralph doesn't do much in this episode, but he does. He is kind of cementing that character. And Potsy is interesting here because he's only after uh, going out with Gloria and getting everything set. And the implication from the title Hardware Jungle and from the the synopsis is that there's going to be some sort of chicanery going on you know like they're gonna they're gonna go get drunk at this party they're gonna go to this this midnight drag race that kind of thing but there isn't that's the interesting thing there isn't at all everything that Richie does here is completely above board he he asks his is you know he asks his dad for some money and his dad gives him the money and then he buys the tickets and then when he realizes he has to watch the hardware store he sells the tickets back his parents find out he did that they say no you can leave early and so and everything's above board and even when what happens in the end happens they're accidents you know mr c says that he isn't thrilled that that happened but he is thrilled that richie uh was responsible about it so that that's cool so it's it's weird because yeah like i said the from Potsy's previous behavior, which he's always up to, sh- he's always up to some sort of shenanigans. You think that's what's going to happen here, and it's going to be them doing something like leaving Joni in charge of the hardware store, or we'll just leave it open and with the sign on it, but we'll just sneak out for a couple hours, or you know, we'll tell them we're there, but we're not going to be. And something happens where they need to be there, or it catches on fire, or something like that, you know. But none of that happens. It's all above board and very responsible, and that's okay. That's okay, you know. You know, it doesn't always need to be. Uh, it doesn't always need to be craziness and things like that. And I like that Richie doesn't. He doesn't learn a lesson. He's just responsible. And uh, I mean, I guess you could say he learned a lesson in the end, but I don't. I don't buy it. I, I think he was just being a responsible kid. That's what he did. He did in the end what I would have done. And so. So yeah, I think this is a this is this is a fun episode, and I've got yeah, the page of notes I I've got here is is screwball. Let me obviously I said it was directed by Jerry Paris, and it's written by uh, Frank Buxton and Michael Leeson. Leeson, yes, Leeson, and uh, Frank Buxton was a writer and he was an actor. He did the voice of Batfink, if you've ever seen uh, that. Uh, he wrote, uh, directed episodes of uh, Odd Couple and Mork and Mindy. And, uh, oh, he did a, oh, what's this? I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia. It says he created, wrote, produced, and directed a TV series called Hot Dog for NVC, starring Woody Allen, Tom Smothers, Jonathan Winters, and Joanne Worley, and it won a Peabody Award. That sounds like the best show ever. Huh. I'm not sure. Oh, that's cool. Oh, okay, so it's it's like a it's it's a Saturday morning documentary type thing. How do they make bowling balls? How do they make playing cards? How do they make toothbrushes? How do they get the tooth toothpaste in the tube? How does the letter get through the mail? Oh, that's fun. Okay, yeah. So he's he's one of the writers on this, and the other writer is Michael Leeson, who uh, wrote all sorts of stuff. And he's actually wrote several uh, movies. Oh, he wrote for The Associates, which is a show I always liked. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde together again. Oh boy. Oh gosh. The Survivors, War of the Roses. 
the oh the tuxedo the um jennifer love hewitt jackie chan film i don't think i've seen that one was there a jackie chan film called the medallion i either saw the medallion or i saw the tuxedo i don't remember which one i saw but yeah so those those are the the writers on this one and what what i'm gonna do now and like i said i got a huge page uh page pile of notes here that i'm just i'm just kind of looking at trying to trying to fit in everything i can but it's not always going to work i love joni's got some great moments here like i said she gives howard some very bad news about the way tonsils and things work and then when she uh, mr c says are you going to miss me no and he does uh, mr c, okay to, to go to the dating of this real quick i still stand by 57 the mellow kings they're hip 57 Chuck Berry would taken off 56, 57, really taken off. Um, uh, there, there are a couple other songs. Johnny Ray's song Cry plays, which is from 52, uh, which is the, uh, the, the, the flip side to the song we heard in the previous one. What is it? The Little Cloud That Cried or whatever the heck it is. A lot of crying going on in these Johnny Ray songs. And it's another maudlin ballad. And then uh, K-Star's Wheel of Fortune, Wheels of Fortune plays, which is uh, from around the early 50s also. And let's see. Uh, you know, the one, the one thing in this one that throws the um, throws a little monkey wrench into it isn't 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 terribly uh, bad here, but it's the hula hoop. Uh, Mr. C says to Joni to get her to leave and stop saying about him throwing up and things like that. Why don't you go play with your hula hoop? And she goes and plays. The hula hoop fad became huge in '58. There were hula hoops before that, but the fad hit in '58. Now, that's not to say that Joni couldn't be ahead of the the curve on that. So I'm saying that Joni is ahead of the curve on that, and this is still uh, autumn. I guess it's autumn now of 57. So that's a boom. I'm setting it right there. There you go. This, I'm, I don't know that I'm going to use this one for dating per se, but they mentioned Khrushchev and Poland. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm uh, obviously, I think they're referring to what October, Polish October 1956 when sort of, uh, well, it's a complicated story. My family got out of Poland that area in 1954, so they didn't have to they, they had a rough time at the end of the 40s, early 50s. But when the Polish October-y, revolution thing in 56 happened, that, and uh, they were gone, luckily. But, but this is, you're going to have to look this up. This this is uh, far more political than I want to be right here. But but the, f the fact that Richie mentions at one point, he says, um, I forget, he says something about, oh, I got to get these tickets back from Fonzie. Or I forget what he says. Um, what does he say? I forget what Re Richie mentioned. Somebody said that's going to be tougher than g having g uh, convincing Khrushchev to give back Poland or something. And I thought, one, I like the fact that this this kid, high school kid in Milwaukee, is worried about Poland. And they, well done, thank you, Richie, thank you. Um, but it's a slightly strange reference. I mean, again, I see what they're doing here. I mean, with the hula hoop and with the songs and with the um. Uh, the the I, when did that thing start where you unscrew the top of the salt and then it, I I bet I bet that started in like fifty five or fifty six is there are there documented case for when that kind of thing began uh, but but again they're just it's all these references I mean like even Potsy like we I want to get to the show early that's when Chuck Berry does his best hopping and then you know he does the uh, Potsy does the Chuck Berry hopping around kind of thing. And they mentioned Mickey Spillane again. Not I, the jury this time, just Mickey Spillane in general. And there's the two for flinching thing, uh, which I remember happening on occasion when I was in high school in the late 80s and finding it annoying. Um, why does that one spot on your arm hurt so much when people punch it? You know, right below the shoulder on the outside of your arm. Why does that hurt so much? I need to look that up. There are things I need to look up that I haven't looked up that I'm thinking of them just now. But like like two for flinching and the, and the salt shaker thing. I mean... I'd love it if it like uh, 1955, 1956. Maybe maybe I'll have it for you later on in the episode when these things occurred. But yeah, this this is this is a this is a uh, charmer of an episode. I think I think it's a lot of fun. I like the fact that yeah, Richie isn't a delinquent about it, he, uh, regardless of what the title will clue you you into. I think I think it's funny, n not quite with the title. But no, with the title, too, with the title and that synopsis. I mean, to me, in my mind, whenever I see that title and the synopsis, like I said, I think early on they're told to go to the hardware store and they come up with some sort of chicanery to get out of it and cause trouble. But, of course, that's not what happens at all. And I, I call that, I'm, I, 
I'm calling that a wow moment. And a wow moment is a werewolf's on wheels moment. In the early 70s, there was a biker horror film called Werewolf on Wheels. It's called Werewolf on Wheels. Boom, right there. That's like, like Hardware Jungle. You immediately have images in your head. And the poster is basically a werewolf biker riding towards the looker, the viewer of the poster, with like a woman in, I think he's got a woman in one arm, and it's craziness and chaos behind him. And you're like, oh my god, this, this is going to be the best movie ever. And the thing about Werewolf on Wheels bit of a spoiler is that it always lets people down because the werewolf doesn't really show up until late into the movie. The movie is this great biker gang in the desert causing trouble. They stop off at like a monastery type thing and they get involved with some crazy satanic monks who put a curse on them and someone becomes a werewolf. If you have heard the title and if you've seen the poster... And maybe if you've heard a synopsis, you know, um, satanic monks make um, bikers into werewolves, you're going to be disappointed watching the movie. Because that is selling it to you in a completely legit way, I think, but incorrect also. I mean, you, you sell yourself, uh, you know, you, you want people to come in, so you, you sell them on that. You know, you don't undersell the fact that there will be a werewolf riding a motorcycle. Boom. But it's also not the real main focus of the movie and so a lot of people get let down i love werewolves on wheels it has a strange it mix of like semi-improvisational mixed with surreal mixed with just weird that i just i adore the movie but you have to forget the title and everything else about it and just enjoy you enjoy what's in front of you rather than what you've been sold and that's sort of like Hardware Jungle. You're being sold something with the synopsis in the title that seems like it's going to be Potsy and Richie maybe going a little uh, JD on us. But uh, no, that's not it at all. And if you sit there waiting for some sort of lengthy sequence in the hardware store, uh, you're going to be disappointed. It's, it's a quick scene at the end, and we actually see a customer who is going to look very familiar come next Christmas or Christmas episode in the next season. I wonder if it's Christmas of 57. I'm not sure. But when were Viewmasters invented? Well, well, we'll look into that when we get to that episode. It's great to see the hardware store. We knew that he, he uh, Mr. C, ran a hardware store, so it's good to see it. And it's good to see, like, we don't... I mean, we're out on the street at one point when we're looking through the, the, the door, the glass in the door, um, and we're inside and we, we look out onto the street, that point where Fonzie sees the gals and walks by and we see some cars and stuff like that. It looks very much like um, uh, the, the, you know, the, the street in, uh, uh, like, say, like Back to the Future 2 when Marty is dressing something inconspicuous and he's got his, you know, the jacket and the, and the hat and the, the glasses and his walkie-talkie. It looks very much like that. And that would have been the same-ish time period, too. Uh, and also... I um one more one more uh great pretender plays at one point and that was a hit circa November fifty five so we're still we're still okay there I'm I, I forgot that one I'm sorry but yeah I like seeing the hardware store I like that I like when you expand the world again I don't know if these episodes are meant to be in order or we're just jumping around within like a year in the life of Richie Cunningham. But I like that we can expand it. And I like that we see the Fonz in his place of work. And then we see Mr. C's place of work, although we don't see Mr. C there. He's got the tonsillitis. And it's funny, they could have sold this episode as, you know, uh, you know, Mr. C um, has tonsillitis and Richie has to uh, watch the hardware store on Saturday. Boom. That that would have been that would have been perfectly fine because then there would have been enough going on. We're like, oh, I didn't expect that. But they do what they do. So uh, I think that's about it. Uh, I am going to let's all take a deep breath while I look at my notes one more time. I think that's it. I the only thing I thought is that I do like the the constant reference to rock and roll show. You go to the rock and roll show. We're going to the rock and roll show. I there is a great series of albums. And they did CD versions of it, but I feel like the album versions are better called Cruisin'. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, Dan, I'm familiar with Cruisin'. Uh, Al Pacino, William Friedkin. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I, I got it. No, 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 not that Cruisin'. <laughs> this is, this is, these were a series of albums. I think they originally began in 56, but then they did a 55. 
and they go like 55 to 68 or 70 or something and each album is presented as like a 35 40 45 minute um uh radio show it's basically you get a they they picked a dj from a city for like one from detroit and one from los angeles and one from here and one from there and one from duluth i don't know if there's anyone from duluth and they basically these these dj and this this set was done like in the uh, like in the late 60s early 70s i believe originally and they they call in these djs who did these shows these early rock and roll shows and they would just have them do their show you know and you get commercials and you get ads and you get songs and it's there's so much fun and and they're always mentioned like rock and roll shows because at this time you you didn't have um you know albums were were different at at this time and it was more about the singles and the hits and so you'd have you know chuck berry would come out and play his hits and then i mean the freaking mellow kings only had really one hit i'm sure they could have played a few other songs and they i mean a good a good way of looking uh, what the beach boys in concert from what is that album from 64 you know it's a couple of the beach boys songs but then it's a bunch of other hits from the time including like monster mash that's sort of the way the rock and roll shows were and and it's it's, it's not quite like when you tune into pbs during a telethon uh, PBS station during a telethon and they show like those rock and roll things where they have like people come out and they sing their big hits and then they go away but it's it's almost like that you know it wasn't yeah you know it was about playing the big hits and, and like concerts as we know them today I don't think really became in rock and roll really became a thing until like the late 60s and such uh, or second half of the 60s so so this really was like I'm and I'm I'm sure it was more than Chuck Berry and the Mellow Kings. The Mellow Kings had one hit. At that point, Chuck Berry had a handful. No one's going, we're going to the rock and roll show, which lasts 27 minutes. I'm sure there were other people on uh, the roster that we don't hear about. But I do love that. It's 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 kind of fun. and it, But it's not kind of fun. It's, it's actually super, super fun. And um, I wish I could have gone to that show, but I didn't have the friggin' six bucks. All right, everyone, that is Hardware Jungle, and we are now going to hop to episode six. Again, uh, directed by Herb Wallerstein, written by Steve Zacharias, February 19th, 1974, The Deadly Dares. Before I talk about anything else in this episode, I do need to point out Chuck. Chuck is in the background of a scene in the kitchen where Mr. C and Joni are doing a Gainsborough's Blue Boy paint-by-number kind of thing, and Chuck is sitting in the back eating. Uh, they really don't have anything for Chuck to do. I, I, If I've said this before, I apologize, but it isn't, it isn't quite like um, it is enough with uh, Grant Goodeve where... In the first season, which was only nine episodes of Eight is Enough, I, th- I think it was nine episodes, he leaves the house, and so he suddenly becomes this character who's not in the house, who other characters have to go to in order for him to uh, sort of engage with him. Now, I've only watched the first two seasons of Eight is Enough, so I don't know if he moves back in or what happens after that. But I... I that that's kind of interesting in that that's a natural progression that he he is gone but but we we get to know him especially when he's mark hamill in the the pilot episode but we get to know him and then he's gone but then he he's there in spirit and then he's there physically too but chuck is i mean almost immediately they don't seem to have a darn thing pardon my language for chuck to do that chuck chuck in in this season chuck isn't gonna as far as i know he isn't going to get anything big to do and and maybe the next season he will or maybe he won't but it's it's so weird and if you guys know the way this show ends you'll know what happens there but mm, 
Okay, so the Deadly Dares. Uh, the demons, we saw guy with the demon's jacket, a super nerdy guy, and Potsy says to Richie in here, you want to be a nerd? So this is the first use of the word nerd in the show. We saw a demon's guy in the drag racing episode. He was kind of in with a crowd, and there were gals hanging around him. I mean, he was super nerdy, and that was kind of, kind of. Oh, what's going on here? We 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 meet this guy here. Uh, well, we we meet the 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 high demon, and the high demon is played by uh, Ed Begley Jr. So you know that this is a good club to join when Ed Begley Jr. is in charge. And then we meet Bag Zombrowski. I love all the, like, the Polish names and Polish-Russian names. Um, Bag kind of reminded me, he's got a bit of Belushi in there, but this is about a, a year and a half or so before Saturday Night, a.k.a. Saturday Night Live premiered. And there's a great, if, if you've ever watched the 1975 World Series, which you can see on DVD, I have a DVD set of it, during one of the games when they're saying like tune in tonight on or tomorrow on whenever and one of the things is tune in uh 11:30 the a brand new comedy music show Saturday night with uh, host George Carlin and it's a like, what the Saturday night live which is not a show I really watch much at all but uh for about 2 years of my life I think I think I don't know. I always feel like, t to me, from what I've seen, like you go through a Saturday Night Live phase in your life. And some people watch it forever. Uh, but other people, like myself, you watch it there a couple of years. There's a cast you that you kind of glom onto, and then you go away from it. But having said that, what is going... Sorry, Eva. What is going on in The Deadly Dares? Basically, uh, Richie and Potts are at a sock hop. They see Bag show up, and yeah, Bag is, he's got a bit of Belushi brother in him. He also has a whole bunch of uh, gross out uh, from King Frat, uh, which is a, a film I absolutely adore. And he's got, he's he looks like someone else too, maybe the actor himself, but but he, he's kind of, he's kind of a chunky guy and not, I don't know, particularly attractive, but this really cute gal, you know, uh, hangs out with him because he's got the demon's jacket. So Richie and Potsy go to the Fonz, who used to be in the demons. The demon, uh, Fonzie calls the demons a bunch of bananas, but he says, I'll help you out. And he takes Richie and Potsy to a, a sort of um, a, a, a meeting to what can you bring to the demons and a very funny scene i think and the demons basically say, okay well you have six deadly dares you have to do and if you do those you win boom this is an episode that i remember very clearly from when i was a kid because the final dare richie and posse has to have to dress up like girls go to a sock hop and get a guy to dance with them and i remember thinking when i was younger that I thought Richie was pretty cute, dressed as a girl. Now, it looks like, to me, Richie looks like Ron Howard in, in a wig, dressed as a girl. Potsy looks nothing like a, <laughs> a female. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, uh, but, but when I was a kid, I remember thinking, mm, Richie, you're kind of cute. But I was nine or ten i didn't even know where i was no i know where i was but um but maybe maybe uh, richie is a cute gal i mean fonz the fonz dances with him now granted i'd always thought the fonz kind of looks down this row of gals against the wall and and grabs richie's hand and dances with richie and then blows in his ear and like uh fonz it's me richie whoa but but actually, uh, when the Fonz walks by Richie, Richie turns away, and the Fonz sort of takes that as like mm, a challenge and grabs Richie's hand and says, "Come on, Wallflower," and they dance. So he doesn't actually look at, or give a good look at Richie before the dancing commences. So so there you go with that. So let, let me let me do the six deadly dares. So the first one is the classic, Prince Albert in a can. Uh, Prince Albert was it was a sort of R.J. Reynolds uh, and company uh, tobacco from 1907 it was a tobacco cam 
thing. And you, yeah, you would call up and say you got Prince Albert in a can, let him out before he suffocates, or something else like that. And Marsha is back in this episode. And it's funny with Ed Begley Jr. and Marsha, you get a lot of lisping. It's a heavy, heavy on the lisping. The Deadly Dares is, uh, but but you get the Prince Albert in a can. There's just a great moment when. Potsy is, is saying, let him out before he suffocates, and she kind of mouths along to that, which is which I like. Uh, the second uh, Deadly Dare is a kiss. They uh, Richie leaps out and kisses Marsha, uh, which sends her into a tizzy, saying that like 15 guys leapt out and kissed her, something like that, and she ends up um, talking to a cop played by Mr. Carlin from, <laughs> from Bob Newhart's show. But that that is actually in a moment or two i will mention that uh let's see the third one is uh potsy and richie pull a toupee off of a administrator in their high school in a very small hallway i've i used to do extra work i did extra work on the show seventh heaven in their high school hallway as a decent sized hallway sabrina the teenage witch i also did uh, i did some extra work on that in a hallway this hallway seems very small to me maybe the i don't know is a fallout shelter hallway i don't know uh what's next uh oh um they go to a 3d film and they stand up and start singing anthems and other people stand up to and start singing along and of course when we're talking dating here pretty much uh revenge of the creature from 1955 was more or less the end of the 3d 50s craze it was like 52 to 54 ish and then it was over by 55 although revenge of the creature did well it wasn't uh it didn't continue the 3d thing on so the fact that everyone in milwaukee is going to see a 3d film including the cunninghams in a very funny scene where you know Joni and, and mr c and mrs c are there as richie and potsy stand up and begin singing uh yeah it is weird that you know i keep i keep trying to date these and every once in a while they'll do something like with the hula hoop in the last episode of 3d here you know 3d by 57 3d was was done it, it would get some revival here and there in the next decade and of course we all know andy warhol's frankenstein but it it was pretty much done by 57 which is in the vicinity of where i'd like to place these episodes and just the way Mr. C reacts to the 3D, it kind of gives him a headache. And it makes it feel like this is the first time he's seeing 3D. But 3D was, the height, yeah, it was 52, 53, 54-ish. And, and a little bit after that, I mean, yeah, having said that, I mean, when was Robot Monster? Robot Monster was 3D, so maybe... You know, I talk out loud to myself. You know, you do you do research for stuff like this. And then when you actually talk out loud to yourself, I went to a 3D festival like 10 years ago and I saw Gorilla at Large, Catwoman on the Moon, Catwomen, Catwomen, Cat Gorilla at Large, Catwomen of the Moon, On the Moon, and Robot Monster. And Catwomen and Robot Monster are both like 56, aren't they? So, yeah. Mm-mm, nope, there was still 3D going on. Shut your mouth. Mm, okay. So, but yeah, that's a, they do that in the 3D theater. And then the fifth one, they tie the shoelaces of this cop played by Mr. Carlin from Bob Newhart show. who's kind of macking on Marsha together. And he falls on Marsha. And Marsha thinks all guys are um, hounds and dogs and that kind of thing. And then the sixth deadly dare is the drag uh it's a yeah it's it's a fun episode i'm, I'm gonna do something right here i mean there, there's plenty of things i can say um about the episode uh there's the the scene when the fawns brings them to like an initiation meeting with with the uh demons is a lot of fun especially when so the demons say okay say this you will be a demon and da 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 you know and they have to repeat the oath and richie and Potts are like um uh, we will be the oh yeah the thing and the thing and uh, fawns is there rolling his eyes because they're getting it all wrong that remind me of uh, short-lived show I love, The Tick, uh, which aired in 2001-ish. There's a scene where um, Arthur and The Tick are br- uh, welcomed into like a superhero club where they have to repeat an oath and neither of them get it. And <laughs> there's a lot of eye-rolling and it's very funny. Potsy Weber, Date Bait. That's one of the reasons why Potsy wants to get in the demons. I'm sorry, that one that just hit me there. I'm going to do something here that I'm not going to do a lot of, but we are in... 
um, where are we? I don't know. Why does it hurt so much? We're in February, mid-February 1974. I would like to do something real quick uh, right here. Just kind of give you, grab a few other sitcoms, tell you what was happening on a few other sitcoms at this time. First, if we're going to do this, we got to talk all in the family. I do like this. Uh, so the the closest episode to this one of All in the Family was the 82nd episode, the 21st episode of the fourth season, Archie Eats and Runs. Archie thinks he has... I'm on Wikipedia here, folks. Thank you, Wikipedia. Archie thinks he has botulism from eating canned mushrooms. Yeah, why not? You know, uh, over on Happy Days, there are uh, two guys trying to get into some sort of strange club and and get a jacket that will get gals to attract them and Archie Bunker thinks he has botulism I guess there's a reason why I'm doing the Happy Days podcast rather than the All in the Family those were the days cast that ain't me what else do we have all right hop over to Mary Tyler Moore and we got February 16th uh the 94th episode is that right that doesn't seem right. Does that in the in season four uh, episode uh, twenty two Lou's second date? Lou and Rhoda begin dating casually, and everyone, especially Mary, wonders how serious the relationship is turning. Oh, that's that's Valerie Harper's final appearance uh, uh, regularly as Rhoda. Oh gosh, okay, that was wow. That's uh, that's yeah. That's that was a big one. That was a big one. Wow, going into Rhoda there. Wow. I'm not sure which way to go with Sanford and Son. There was a February 15th, February 22nd. I guess I'll go to the nearest episode, February 22nd, episode 58. uh, 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 The 58th episode of the show, uh, season 3, 1973 to 1974. Will the real Fred Sanford please do something? A woman Fred wooed over one too many Boilermakers comes looking to take him up on his marriage proposal. Oh boy, oh Fred, what are you what are you getting up to there, Fred? Let me check. Out, let me just give you a couple more shows here. I know the Odd Couple was on. Uh, let's see. Oh, 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 here we go. Same same day, February nineteenth, uh, episode forty four of Hey Maud. Uh, this is season two of Maud. Uh, where are we here? This is the investment. Bad feelings abound when Arthur gives Walter a bad stock tip, causing him to lose $3,700. An inquiry into why Arthur didn't invest money in the stock himself causes bad blood, not only between the two men, but also between Maud and Vivian. Oh boy, Maud! Over on Bob Newhart, by the way, you're fired, distracted by a new boyfriend. Carol neglects her duties at the office. Very early on, still uh, season two there, end of season two of Bob Newhart show. Let's do um, let's do two more. Now here's a, here's a, a sitcom that will give Happy Days some grief in the next year, and that would be Good Times, which actually has an episode in the middle. Uh, this episode, Deadly Dares, is in between two episodes. I'll give you a quick Wikipedia rundown. Michael gets suspended, episode five. Uh, which is, let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. Michael gets, wait, what? All right. Here is a show that would give Happy Days some grief in the next season. Good times. I'm going to go with February 22nd, the, the third episode. The pilot getting up the rent. With an eviction notice over their heads, the Evans family scrambles to come up with $74 needed for their rent. Despite Florida's opinion, James goes down to the pool hall to try to hustle some money. JJ comes up with a scheme of his own, and Florida and Wallona go down to the welfare office. Oh, Wallona. Oh, wow. So the the pilot of Good Times aired third. And let's do one more. Can I think of one more? Yes, we'll do The Odd Couple. Near the end of the fourth season, we are a different drummer. Felix and his band want to be on Monty Hall's new variety show, but a bitter Oscar stands in the way, still mad about the disastrous Let's Make a Deal segment from episode 67. All right, so that's just... I just wanted to run down sort of what other shows were up to at that time. Uh, So let let me dive back in. 
like I said, I think this is this episode is charming. It's a lot of fun. It, I mean, it does have the lesson in it, which it's funny. Mr. C actually gives Richie the lesson halfway into the episode, and it takes the second half of the episode for Richie to say, repeat, repeat the lesson back and say, you know, this is... My dad was right. So the the lesson is pretty much like we, we were joining the demons to get girls, but sort of any gals who would be interested in you only because you have a demon's jacket on are maybe, maybe not worth going after. They could be, though. I mean, they could be absolutely delightful. I don't mean to denigrate any any gals who like the guys with the demon jackets, but bag ain't, bag ain't much. And Ed Bagley Jr. in his robe with his hood over his head, you know, like this ain't the initiation or killer party. This this just feels a little goofy. So let let me um, what do we got here? What else is going on? My little Margie gets mentioned, which was uh, uh, a Richie. Mister C says he thought Richie looked like Doris Day. Joni said he thought she thought Richie looked like My Little Margie, uh, which is a, a TV show that ended in 1955. Uh, we do hear some uh, songs in here. Um, let's see. We um, oh, there's a band. It the sock hop is doing all instrumentals, so they do all shook up. They do hound dog. They do bye bye love. Uh, what else do they do? I think that's it. Yeah, and and and, and bye bye love was was I think hit number one is spring of '57. Oh, oh gosh, are we in the spring? Are we in the fall? Does it actually matter? I don't know. I feel like I feel like if Richie and Pachi are trying to join like a club. It's probably fall because you wouldn't join the club like right before you got out of school because it would be school related, wouldn't it? So I'm, I guess we're in the autumn of 57. See, what else do we have going on here? Uh, we got 3D stuff. We got 16 tons. What do you get? Uh, just playing all sorts of tunes in this. Uh, I do like I said earlier, Potsy Weber date bait. That was fun. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a it's a fun episode. Uh, I I like the fact that Richie and Potsy say pretty much we are in this just for the gals, and so they they ask the Fonz and I love the Fonz saying there's just a bunch of bananas and Richie. It's it's funny. The Fonz says there are a bunch of bananas and Richie says we want to join. Mr. C says you shouldn't join just because uh, gals will be interested. And Richie says we want to join. Then in the final scene, more or less, Richie says to Potsy, there are a bunch of bananas and any gal who would be interested in the show. So so it's actually the Fonz and Mr. C present Richie with the lesson, as it were, in this one. Although, I mean, this isn't... (sighs) At the end of the day, they did like six dumb things... And now they're going to be part of this club. And maybe they they would have met a great gal, you know, who's like, yeah, I like the demon demon jacket because to me it's it's a sign of something. Now I've met you and we should get to know one another better, you know, something like that. But who knows? Who knows? Uh, it, we, uh, Richie has learned his lesson, uh, which is very specific which is very specific. The demons are a bunch of bananas, and any gal who goes specifically after a demon, you shouldn't um, bother with, I guess. So that's a very specific. This isn't a lesson we all can learn. I mean, I, I guess it's like, don't go after logos or whatever, or something like that. But yeah, in the episode, it seems more specific than that to me. So, the Deadly Dares, we call them the Deadly Dares. Potsy asks the gal to dance with him. Let's slow bop and then go to the submarine races. Let's see. Oh, and Ralph does show up. Um, and he does make some more jokes. He pretends to, when he walks in the sock hop and he goes up to the people who are taking tickets, he drops to his knees and says, one child, please. So like, And he's got two guys with him who laugh. So Ralph, for whatever. I like the concept that Ralph seems to be living a different sitcom like there seems to be another camera crew on ralph ralph going from kind of guy in the background who was getting hickeys to having the drag race and car neither of those things work now he's going to be a comedian now he's going to be right out there in front of all of us kicking 
butt and just making everyone laugh. And I, I like the fact that there's maybe another sitcom. Like, Happy Days isn't just Richie. There are all these th- other things going on, and that's the way it will become in, in the coming years. But right now, it's it's mainly Richie. So, yeah, Deadly Dares overall... I think it's I think it's a fun episode, another fun episode, and the great thing is I'm looking at the uh, official the Paramount uh, release of season one, a complete first season. This is the end. Oh, I just cracked it open of disc one. Oh my gosh! They put the 16 episodes of this season on three discs, so we're at the end of disc one. And what do we have next? Let me give you a little little hint. Fonzie drops in. Oh boy. And I guess we will wrap up. We will wrap up with one more thing, and that is I love how much the Cunninghams, Mr. and Mrs. C, kind of accept whatever Richie's doing. Like when Richie tells his dad why he's doing this, and his dad presents him with the lesson, which he'll learn in about 10 minutes. Uh, uh, screen time, narrative time. Mr. C kind of just slaps Richie on the knee and says, you know what, you know, we trust you. Do do you know? Do what you think is right, kind of thing. And then the scene where Richie comes down the steps dressed as a gal, goes out the door. Mister C walks in and says, "Hi, Richie." And then about ten seconds later, "Huh, Marion? What?" And I, I, I don't know why he doesn't call her Honey or Babe or something like that or Sweetie. He's always Marion. Uh, Marion, have you seen our son? And they start to talk about it, and it's great because it's not like what. He dressed up as a girl and went out into the world? No, both Joni and, and Mrs. C are like, yeah, we helped him dress up. And, you know, he bought the dress himself. And, you know, he we put the makeup on him and we put the wig on him. I don't know where he got the wig from. They didn't say. We put the wig on him and everything. I love that because this was something he needed to do to get into the demons, they are gung-ho to help him out. And I think that's just, that's just, <laughs> just super sweet. That is family devotion uh, that I am not familiar <laughs> with but boy I do love that Richie has that so that is the Deadly Dares and this is episode 3 of Rockin' All Week with you the Happy Days podcast I hope you, you folks are enjoying it uh, let's see if, if you have any uh, feedback you can write to me I guess shoot me an email at Danny Slacks D-A-N-N-Y S-L-A-C-K-S at yahoo.com. That's my email. Shoot, shoot me an email if you have anything. If I forgot something. I, I mean, I probably forgot something here. Bye-bye, love, and da-da-da, and all these others. I'm still putting it in 57. You know, so, uh, yeah, I think this is this is a fun episode. We're going strong here. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and tell me, like, if, if, you, if you want sound clips. Uh, as I've said before, the, the actual sets that are out on DVD that you can get relatively inexpensively, I don't feel like making or breaking the show is hearing two to three minutes of sound clips for each episode. We all know what everyone sounds like. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening, everybody. And we're going to wrap this episode up. You may know what I'm going to play. Here it is. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock. Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock. We're gonna rock around the clock tonight. Put your